Good morning. I think children at this time can be dismissed. So you can go. If you have your Bibles this morning, I sure hope you do. Turn with me to Ephesians, the very first chapter. Ephesians, the very first chapter. And this morning, I want to share with you a message entitled, The Blood That Saves. The Blood That Saves. You know, there are all kinds of songs that we sing that talk about the blood of Jesus. We sang a song this morning that talked about the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood. What's the flood? He's talking about Jesus' blood. Lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Historical Christianity has always believed that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. That the blood of His Son cleanses us from all of our sin. A lot of people have differing views and ideas and understanding in regards to that. There are a lot of different aspects in relationship to that. There are some who say blood doesn't matter. Some would say, well, it's just the death of Jesus. Jesus died for us, and that's all we need to know. As long as we know that Jesus died for us in our place, He died in our place, that's enough. But as I look at God's Word, God's Word is fairly clear in regards to the importance of the role of how He died and the blood that is a result of that death. And so I want to share with us today some thoughts in regards to the blood that saves us. 1 Corinthians And you can flip there if you want. We're going to read back and forth several different uh, sections of Scripture today. Chapter 15 and verse 1, it says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you are saved. He says, hey, here's the gospel. So what is that gospel? Well, he says, by which you are saved. What does that mean? Well, let's continue to read in that text. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. So there it is. Christ died for our sins. And that is an important truth for us to know and to believe and to understand. But it doesn't stop there. Notice what he goes on. Look at verse 4 and see what he says. He says, and that he was buried, and that he was rose again the third day according to Scriptures. Now that's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died, 
that Jesus was buried and that He was resurrected on the third day. And it is that gospel that now saves us. And so understanding that truth and applying it to our lives is the difference between life and death. But if we look at Ephesians and we begin to read together in that first chapter, notice what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So the blessings that come, they come in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of His glory, of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption. Now listen to this. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention which He purposed in us. With a view of administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth in Him. Also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of His works in all things after the counsel of His will. To the end that He who were first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Listen to what He's talking about. Remember we talked about what is the gospel? The gospel of your salvation. Having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who has given us a pledge to our inheritance with a view to the redemption to God's own possession to praise of His glory. He says, listen, it is in His blood that we have salvation. It is through His grace that He has extended that salvation to us through the sacrifice of His Son, Christ Jesus. And so we see these passages of Scripture. And it tells us and communicates to us the importance of not only the death of Jesus, but the means by which He died. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be, be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Even Christ, our what? Our Passover. He is our Passover. What, what does that mean to us? What, what is He trying to communicate in order to understand what it means for Christ to be our Passover, we have to go back to Exodus chapter 12 in in order to understand the original Passover and then to relate what that means for Christ to be our Passover. And so if we go back to Exodus chapter 12, and I'm going to read a few passages from there. You're welcome to turn there and go along with me. But I want us to understand what he is communicating. Chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. 
So he's defining for them their calendar. This corresponds with our month of April, if you want to know that. Verse 3 says, Speak you to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, that's about April the tenth, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Look down at verse 5. He says, For your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, Ye shall take it from the sheep and from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. So from the tenth to the fourteenth day, so four days, they're going to keep the lamb, a male lamb without blemish. And those four days are to determine, is it truly without blemish? To look and to make sure that there is nothing wrong with this lamb that is going to become the sacrifice. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Kill it. Death. Death of the Lamb. Now, it would be one thing to say, hey, we're going to kill the Lamb. But there's more to killing of the Lamb. Because there is something that follows that is critical to the execution of obedience in regards to what Christ has called us to. And so Christ is our Passover. Remember this, we're talking about the Passover. So look at verse 7. It says, And they take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Look at the verse, uh, uh, verse 12. We're going to skip down here for just a bit. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a sign, a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So, the manner of death is very critical to this male lamb without blemish that they've kept in their home for four days, they've made sure that's without blemish, because when they kill it, there is the necessity to obtain blood from the Lamb. Because the blood is used in obedience to the Lord in order to put blood on each side of the door and over the door in order for what He said. This would be a sign, and this sign for me would tell me to pass over and not to allow the death angel to visit that home. Why? Because of the blood. Because of the blood. If the blood was not there, there was no sign. If there was no sign, then the death angel will visit that home. And so the death of the lamb is critical. It's critical that its, it's, it's life is taken in a specific way in order to obtain the blood, in order to use the blood to make a sign for the death angel to pass over that home. Jesus is our Passover. You understand that? He is our Passover. This event occurred in that Christ now becomes our Passover. And they had to be obedient. They had to follow the instructions. They had to do exactly as they were told to do. And to not only kill the lamb but to obtain the blood from the Lamb. So the manner of death was critical in order to make there a sign 
that the death angel would pass over. And you go, yeah, Tim, we know that. Why, why are you belaboring that point? Well, I think there are some really important things in God's Word that we need to understand about this blood that saves us. The first one is this, is that they kept the lamb in their home for four days in order to observe and make sure that there were no blemishes, nothing wrong with the lamb. Jesus was here for 33 years. And there were people who sought with everything they had to take his life and to discredit and do away with him. And yet at the very end of his life, those that desired most to discredit him, most to find something wrong with him, most to have a reason to to belittle him and, and to destroy him in front of others, said this, I find no fault in him. There was no blemish. They had looked, they had tried, they had lied, they had schemed, they had planned, they had done everything that they could to try to find something wrong with Him. And yet their words were, I find no fault in Him. There was no blemish. He was a perfect Lamb. And that He was, as Isaiah says in chapter 53... A lamb led to the slaughter. That he was a lamb that was found to have no fault, no blemish. A male lamb that was to be put to death because he would be what? Our Passover. That his blood would save us. That his blood would redeem us. That it wasn't just his death, but it was the manner of his death and the blood that was shed that made all the difference in life and death. And it is critical that we understand that. It is essential that we embrace that truth and and, and know and understand that the blood had to be applied. And if the blood was not applied, the Passover angel had no sign and there would be death to that home. The same thing is true for you and I in that the blood must be applied in order for there to be a sign that identifies us as the children of God and the relationship that we have and the obedience in our following Him and His instruction for our life. The blood of the Lamb that paid the price to save our souls from the penalty and the punishment of hell. It is the blood that saves us. I was reading this week, there was an article about a gentleman by the name of James Harrison. Maybe you've seen this news piece. He's an Australian gentleman. And, uh, and when he was, was a, a teenager, he discovered, medically they discovered, that there were antigens in his blood that they could use to fight, combat a, a disease, and, and I, I wish I could pronounce it appropriately for you, but I'm sure I would mess it up if I did, but it's R-H-E-S-U-S. And it's a blood disease of infants or, or children that are still in the womb. And it has to do with how the mother's body reacts to the child and the blood cells that are generated and created in a child. 
And they found that the antigens in the blood of James Harrison were able to fight this disease. And so the time he became 18 years old and was legally able to begin to donate blood, he has donated his blood over a thousand times so that they could take the antigens from his blood and use it to medically save the lives of 2.4 million babies who have had this disease during Mr. Harrison's lifetime. Now think about that. Think about the fact that simply of my being willing to give my blood, that it was able to save 2.4 million lives that otherwise would have been lost had it not been for what my blood was able to do. That's an astounding story. That's an incredible number to think about. And his willingness to give time after time after time, donating his blood so that it might save others. And I think about that, and while that's astounding, and while that's amazing, and that's an incredible feat, an event, and noteworthy of life, I think about the blood of Jesus. And because He was willing to give not just of His blood, but of His life and His blood, that every man, woman, and child who have ever lived on the face of this earth can be saved by His blood. Not millions, but billions. Salvation that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 9. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 9 beginning in verse 15. Listen to what God's Word says. And for this reason He is the mediator of the new covenant. In order that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be death of the one who made it. Where there is a covenant, there is of necessity, it's necessary For there to be the death of the one who made that covenant. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead. For it is never in force while the one who made it is still alive. Let's read on. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, he is what? He is our Passover. In the same way, the new covenant he's talking about, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with the blood. 
and according to the law, one may say, all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. What a powerful, powerful thought from God's Word. Of necessity, the one who made the covenant must die. But the manner of death is critically important in this case because there has to be the application of the blood. Because without the blood, there is, what did he say? No forgiveness. So the blood that saves us, the blood that rescues us, the blood that gives us the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the forgiveness of God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ allows us to have life and life everlasting. And so this morning, I want to encourage you that we always hold to that truth. That we never allow ourselves to be swayed in any other direction other than understanding the power of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that the blood must be applied in order for us to be saved. And so if you're here this morning, we're